Welcome to the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. In this episode, I will be interviewing Anna from Tanzania. Anna's, and also my wife is going to be chiming in occasionally now and then, rejoice Tapon. And I'm really fascinated by this episode because we talk so much about witchcraft. Witchcraft is one of those unseen things about Africa. You might have heard about it, but you don't actually see how it affects the day-to-day life. Anna is interesting because she spent almost a year in South Africa quite recently, as also she lived all her life in Tanzania in two different areas, Dar es Salaam as well as the capital. So her perspective is quite interesting, and we really dig in to the whole witchcraft stuff. But we talk about so many other topics. We talk about fidelity, we talk about uh, the government, and we talk about uh, how Tanzania, what direction is it going in, how does she feel about racism in South Africa. So there's a lot of issues that we do cover, not just witchcraft, but to me, that part is the most juicy. So go ahead and tune into this episode, and I hope that you learn a lot about unseen sides of Tanzania, as well as South Africa. Welcome, everybody, to the Wander Learn podcast. I'm here with Ana Maria Nshote, and she's from Tanzania. Welcome. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm also here. Uh, rejoices in the background. My wife, uh, she occasionally may interject if she has something to say, but Ana Maria, you are the star of the show, and so I'm mainly going to be talking to you to learn a little bit about more, not just Tanzania, but also South Africa, because you spent about seven months in South Africa. Is that right, or is it nine months? Seven months. Okay. And then w- what you were there in 2015? To 2016. Okay. And what brought you down to South Africa? Because what I'm most curious about is a lot, a lot of people, they have a tendency to believe that all of Africans are the same. They're just one big country. There's no difference between Kenyans and Tanzanians. And so what I'm trying to do is to help understand what precisely are those differences and what precisely are the similarities between the various different countries. Uh, countries and that's just countries obviously every country has multiple uh, ethnic groups for example Tanzania how many ethnic groups do you know in Tanzania Mm, a lot like almost 23 okay and in Cameroon I think they have over 50 and South Africa I don't know how many but I know they have 11 official languages so I'm not going to delve in too much with the specific tribes because then it gets really confusing. But let's just start with the big picture between South Africa and Tanzania. When you think of these two different countries and the people who live in it, what are some of the the differences that pop into your head? Um, In terms of uh, development, South Africa is more developed compared to our country, Tanzania. So, and in terms of different perspectives of life they are also quite different for example uh for example ways of living we are quite very different from them so tell me a little bit about like so that people have a little bit of perspective what you're coming from you were born in tanzania what part of tanzania i was born in dodoma which is now the capital yes it has been the capital since the 1970s yes it has but the government seems to have largely ignored it. I mean, nobody knows. I don't think Tanzanians know that Dodoma is the capital. <laughs> they do know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, I'm joking, of course, but it, it is such a kind of uh, small little town that nobody thinks about that everybody thinks Dar Salaam, which is the big big city, is, is the capital, which, of course, a lot of the embassies are located here, So, and the government's located here. But, of course, that's changing now in, the, in this last uh, five years or so. The government's finally making an effort to move it out, isn't it? Yes, it has. And right now, like most of the uh, government institutes and uh, people actually are moving from Dar es Salaam to Dodoma because it has, they have officially made it a capital. So when did that happen? This year? Yes, this year. Okay, so 2018, they officially made it a capital, even though it's been officially a capital since yeah. 1970 what? Mm, 77. Okay, 1977. Who knows? We'll look that up later. But anyway, the point is, is that it's been the capital officially for a while, but nobody's lar- the whole country's largely ignored it until 2018, where they finally said, "Okay, so you're from Dodoma, and, and from that region, and then f- from there you came out. You eventually made it to South Africa. So, coming from that perspective, just tell me some of the things that you think South Africans that kind of shocked you when you first got there. You're like, wow no idea that south africans the way they think is so completely different than us like i was i was like the way i was raised here it was quite different because when i moved there i was um i went there for a purpose of getting married to uh, a guy that i was with of which we met in tanzania so when we we went to south africa <laughs> When we went to South Africa and things were quite different because like I knew the way we were raised here and taught by our mothers, like you need to be submissive to a man and stuff. So when I went there, things were quite different. So like even the family would look up uh, to me and they would be like, at times uh, things would be done and they'll be like, like you need to stand up for yourself and stuff so like women are different in tanzania compared to there like they know their rights and they could stand up for themselves they it does not matter whether you whether you educated or something but here it's quite different you you might be educated but yet in when it comes to marriage uh a man is the head of the house so that was quite Mm, different compared to what I was used with. Do you remember a specific epiphany, a certain moment when all of a sudden that, that really hit you home, one strong moment? Uh, what do you mean? Like an example, something that like, wow, that definitely was a moment when I realized these guys have a different vision of how women should behave with regard to their men. Yeah, I remember. I remember... Um, Sometimes I was uh, kind of humiliated and stuff by the man I was with. So the the sister to that uh, guy I was with, she was like, she wanted to take me away from that place. And she was like, "Um, if you're not going to treat her well, I'm going to take her away from you. So that was really shocking. And then he was a cause. Yes, he was. And and so then you guys originally met here and then you went out there to, to kind of do the marriage thing. And did you already have a baby by the time you went to South Africa? No, I didn't. I got, I got pregnant when I was there. I see. And then the marriage never went through. Yeah. 
So this is a common theme that, I mean, I hear this all the time in Africa. That's one thing that's a pan-African issue where men impregnate women and then they leave them either during the pregnancy, after the, shortly after the pregnancy. Do you agree that that's something that, you, that is prevalent all over the place? Mm, it happens in most of the places and in our community. It's really, it's something that it's there. And it's because nowadays um, women have have been have got a chance to be educated and they know what they want and what is really right for themselves so it's quite different from uh previous when women were like all depending on a on a, on their husbands or on their men so it's really quite different so what i'm really trying to understand is why is it that so many african women fall for this line that men often give them that hey don't worry baby you know i'm going to I'm going to do whatever. You're my my special one, etc. Is that what happened to you? Did you did did your Koza Koza man whatever th- did he did he promise you the world? What made you say this guy is different? Uh, like we stayed together, so in the process of dating, and you would os- observe. Like in the process of living together, you uh, you at the end plan to have a family and stuff so when it doesn't w- work out that way like you planned so what happens happen and but there's also no real stigma either is it i mean it's not like the family sits there and say oh my god how could you get pregnant and not be married no they don't do that so that's another i think uh, another issue is that in Af- in a lot of african cultures there's no shame or stigma is that is that fair to say um Rejoice. Where I came from, especially in Marwa and Garwa, girls stay with their boyfriends. You know, the guy will come and pick you up in the evening from your house. You always have to come back to the house and spend the night and you can't get pregnant. If you become pregnant before you get married, if your parents realize you're pregnant one month, they will make whatever to get you to get married before it starts to show because it is really something that they still gossip about it. Yeah, it's shameful. It's just impossible. Is the same true in South Africa or Tanzania, Ana Maria? Yeah, it's the same thing in Tanzania too. But in South Africa, it's different because where I used to stay, like a lot of people and a lot of young children get pregnant. But in Tanzania, you have to get, maybe you, you everybody would ex- expect you to get a baby when you're married already. So, like, you have to get pre- you have to get married, and then you have babies, but not before that. Everybody would look up unto you, and they would gossip. When I talk about like pregnancy before marriage, it's a shameful thing in Marwa. It's not everybody. The Christian people, they can get pregnant and stay with their boyfriends. It's nobody talks about it, but. Of course, I don't live with the Christian. I live in a Muslim family. So I'm talking only about the Muslim family. The Christian is allowed to get pregnant before marriage. Here, it's quite different with Christians too. Like with Christians here in Tanzania, you don't get pregnant. You don't have a baby before you're married. And in other, what, religion, in Muslims are different? Mm, I don't know about Muslims. Okay, so, and speaking about religion, let's just talk a little bit about witchcraft and that kind of stuff. We were just talking about it earlier today. Tell me a little bit about whether, what percentage of the Tanzanians would you say believe in witchcraft? And when you were in South Africa, did you feel that it was about the same or less or more? Or how, how do you see that? Uh, talking about witchcraft, 
uh, a lot of people here they believe in witchcraft very high percentage of people believe in witchcraft how about 70 percent yeah could be um a lot of people go to witch doctors and they would think like most of their things would work in relationships in work activities they have uh, stayed with people who would do business and they would go to witch doctors and stuff but I myself have never done witchcraft or partici- participated in one. Uh, where I used to stay in South Africa, like people were not ashamed of talking about witchcraft. Like they would even ask if you have uh, better witch doctors in Tanzania or if you use juju in your relationship and stuff. Where the family I used to live with, they they don't care about witchcraft. They pass it participate in witchcraft okay well witchcraft uh, i i would say in cameroon 99 percent believe in it the only people who don't believe in witchcraft are the atheist people who have no religion but almost everybody in cameroon have a religion you either have to be a christian or a muslim those are the two things that people uh, uh fear to to say i'm a christian or i'm a muslim so I have stayed in a family where they do the witchcraft. I have participated in it. I used to believe in it before, but then as time goes on, I didn't believe in it. But still, my friends, till today, they think that I got married and my life is the way it is today because I have a great witch doctor. And they ask me to take them to my witch doctor and when I don't reply to, the, to it they, they get angry and they tell me you're very successful and you don't want to introduce us to your great witch doctor you're really having a bad heart and they tell me and I tell them I don't have any witch doctor they're like oh no we know that you have a great witch doctor and then I just don't have anything to tell them even reverend fathers they just believe that for them they believe there's somebody who is sitting down in some mountain place if you do something bad to him if you don't have jesus protecting you the person can just send you some bad evil spirit that can come and strangle you in the middle of the night or just things like that they believe it but they know it cannot touch them because they themselves are covered by the blood of jesus but they just believe that witchcraft worked on weaker people who have no god in them so it just everybody believes in it. Anna Maria, you said something interesting that you said that in South Africa, people talk a little bit more openly about witchcraft than they do in Tanzania. But would you say that there are more witchcraft believers in South Africa? You said about maybe 70% in Tanzania. Mm. Did you think that it was more prevalent or less prevalent believers in South Africa? Okay, maybe uh, in Tanzania, people, would, people wouldn't talk about it openly as in the way they talk they would talk about it in South Africa so maybe that would change the the percentage uh ways so i don't really know because here people don't talk freely but in the communities you'd see people participate in stuff but how can you participate without talking about it maybe when you're very close to those people they would tell you but compared to South Africa like people would just talk about it in the streets but here somebody you have to get closer to that person so that they would tell you or you have to live with a person so to see uh if they participate or not so that's the like here they would they would not be so freely 
uh, is in free to talk about witchcraft and stuff but in south africa they would talk about it like openly so give me an example does your parent do your parents uh, practice witchcraft and if so what do they do no my parents they are really religious people like they don't even want to associate with such things even my mom i would tell her about like a friend of mine told me like we should do business and we should go to a witch doctor and should tell me not never to do that because she was never raised that way and she never really raised us in those grounds so it's very she's very strict on that and so who do you know that does practice like in South Africa there were just uh, all sorts of people doing it or uh yeah like in South Africa my mother-in-law used to talk about it she would like when we get into fights uh with my previous boyfriend she would she would go to a sangoma and she would she would go to inquire and she would be told maybe uh these people fight because of um this and this and that so she would come tell me like uh, we a sangoma said this and that so what is a sangoma a sangoma is a witch doctor right now i have my grandmother's younger sister in the village she's like a seer and her younger brother gives people medicines to you know take a shower with it or uh, put in the food of their <laughs> husbands or brothers or what whoever you want the medicine to take effect on you just call their names like i have known women who says like if your husband is going out of the house <laughs> and you don't want him to you know look at other women or to sleep with other women you go to the witch doctor and they will give you in house they call the name of the the stick is muchia muchia is what we co- we cook the 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 fufu with it so they will give you with some things tied on it you bring it to the house so when your husband is at home and you want his uh, private part to be standing and you have sexy time together you you make the muchia to stand up against the wall like standing and when you're done with your husband and he's going out for business or whatever you make the mutual to lie down and then his private part will lie down it will not rise up even if somebody touch it whatever i never tried it i don't know if it worked but people use it and i have been with those people in fact i myself have <laughs> <laughs> yeah so before i got married my my grandmother's younger sister i went to the village and she took my pam and she read the future she said you're going to get married and you're going to go far away from home and i told her what who she says i don't know and when she says i don't know but i just think it is stupid so you can't tell me when and with who she said yes but you will get married and then her brother that same evening he gave me a powder black one he says i should take a shower with it but while taking the shower i shouldn't stand up i should sit down and take the shower so that i don't i don't know why i cannot stand up therefore i did what he told me not that i it will work or whatever i just did it i have no reason to do it i didn't believe in god or any spirit but still i used the powder and i allow my my grandma's sister to read my palms and i went back to yaounde and then one year later i traveled to meet my boyfriend and i got married and i told my friends what happened in the village that my uncle gave me a powder to to take a shower with it so now they believe that the powder that my uncle gave me to take a shower with it is what is bringing me good luck therefore i have to go back to that my uncle and give them that same powder i didn't do it and everybody is angry with me <laughs> uh well obviously it did work uh, <laughs> so 
don't know. Well, tell me a little bit about some specific examples of witchcraft, just like Rejoice did there, that you can remember either con- comical because it did work or didn't work. Do you remember a specific, and what exactly are they doing? Are they killing a chicken, sacrificing a, a goat? Uh, what are they doing? Are they sprinkling powder on your head? Where in Tanzania? Uh, Tanzania or like South Africa? Like how people would tell? Uh, no, h- how people actually, give me a, an example, specific example of witchcraft that you observed and whether it worked or didn't work or seemingly worked. Okay. I this is uh, Rejoice, you give me an example. Okay, I also remember in Marwa I was staying with the family. Uh, the woman that I was staying with is dead now. And uh, she said one evening that her marabou told her that there is a concussion buried near our water. We, we have fridge at home, but we have a place where we put the water in the pot, clay pots, to make it cold for us to drink. And that there is something buried near the pot. And it was her, the ex-wife of her husband who has put it there. And that same thing is causing her to have miscarriages. Her husband is treating her badly. is because of that concussion that is buried in the ground. And it is her marabou who told her. So we started digging the place and we found some ugly thing. It is a combination of whatever you can find. It's just stupidly ugly. And we dig it out and we took it to her marabou. I was the one who took it to her marabou with a chicken, with some rice and money. <laughs> and, and the one was very grateful. He destroyed it in his own way. And I came back to the house with another concussion. So we removed one and brought back the good one. We removed the evil one and came back to the house with good one, with specific instruction that she has to put it under the bed of her husband for him to change his attitude. This one, she has to take a shower with it and smoke herself with it. And this one, she has to put at his door so that he will jump it. And once he jump it, all that the evil medicine has done will go back to being good. And she did. But her husband never changed. And she never had a child. So it didn't work. I guess. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I mean, some for some foreigners, it sounds so exotic, all these crazy things. But in the end, a lot of religions, that's what they do even today. I mean, we think that that those are the mythologies, the crazy witchcraft. It's not true. But, you know, Jesus is true or Muhammad is the right way, etc. But, you know, if you're not a believer of Muhammad or Jesus and then you, you see what they do. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really work, except if you, but in some cases like this woman that I was living with, she really believed that these things will work, you know, and she prays all the time. She prays even at night, she will wake up to pray. But then in the daytime, she will give me chicken or something to take to her marabou and I will bring the medicine, even though she believe in it. But to me, who live in the same house with her and I see why she's going to the marabou, it didn't work. You see, it didn't work. Her husband never came back to love her and her miscarriages never stopped. And she died miserably, not happy, dedicating all her life to Marabu and praying instead of enjoying and doing something crazy. But she didn't do it and it didn't work. She died getting trampled to death. Yeah, she died still worshipping the Lord, getting trampled to death in Saudi Arabia. She w- traveled to go and worship the Lord and throw the set and the stone as they do in the Mecca and she died there. So her God was not that really merciful to her, I guess. <laughs> have you thought of uh, something yeah. in Anna Maria? Yes, uh, I have a friend of mine. He, she she told me about like the witch 
practices. So she told me once um, they ha- she was told uh, by which doctor she was given medi- medications, I don't know, like powders and stuff. One you put in the food so that your husband does not go and cheat. And another one you put for him when you prepare water for him to go take a shower, you, you put for him too. But she, s- she told me like one day she she was like she was scared at first to put in the food so she only used the one that she was told to put for him in the bathing uh water so she told me the has the husband did not come home that that uh, whole week so <laughs> that one did not work <laughs> and another one uh friends of mine they told me they had they were very rich they had a business place and their father would uh slot not slaughter they would dig a ground and put a a whole cow alive and bury the cow alive alive so that that would bring customers and they would they would lock themselves the whole family they would lock themselves inside with witch doctors and they would uh like have these razor blades uh they they what cut themselves a little bit and they put some uh medic medication like a powder thing and they would take this um i don't know bones from a lion and they would also cut them use them to cut themselves and they say that would bring power and whatever they would say to people people would just agree to to whatever they want so but at the end of the day when the father when the father was alive it used to work but then when the father died they were not rich anymore everything just perished interesting yeah i also remember in nigeria where i used to live in uh, kangarwa it's in borno state uh, there is this medicine that they call it lukudi when you drink it you have money and during the ritual they give you many options you will have the money but one of the option is that you when you will die you will go straight to hellfire if it exists of course the second one is that you will have the money but you will not be able to enjoy it you just have the money but you you're just very stingy you can't do anything with the money the other one is that you have the money you c- you can give it, you cannot give anybody the money like you can't help your wife your mom your brother as we do in africa when you have money you have to help your family this is just things that is normal you can't do it so people really believe it we have a lot of rich people in my neighborhood and we call them el lukudi we think that they went to the witch doctors and they drank that lukudi that is why they have this gigantic amount of money and so nobody believes that really you can just work hard and have a lot of money even my mom her restaurant we used to have a restaurant and we really sell a lot i think the reason why we sell a lot is that my mom she's from cameroon and she have learned how to cook food and she's very clean we have big restaurant but everything it's always clean no flies nothing is dirty and people love it and they come to our restaurant and we sell a lot of food we have a lot of money but the other restaurant in town they think that my mom have a great witch doctor who is giving her things 
to put in the shop and even my mom i know she goes to the witch doctor and she bring things to bring her more customers and she think it works her witch doctor works but when you sit down and think about it people come to our restaurant because we don't give them leftover food from yesterday we give them clean food we give them everything and we welcome them we treat them right i think that is why they come <laughs> not because of the witch doctors and there's another time a friend of mine a business partner she told me like we need to go to a witch doctor so that the place can be flooded with customers so i d- i disagreed but she went to a witch doctor and she brought something tied in a in cl- some black cloth they call it um in what country is this this is in tanzania they call it irizi so they i don't know what they keep inside but it would bring you customers and stuff but at the end maybe it would work for two days or three and then it would it would it would finish i don't know but if they say if you believe in witchcraft it works so that's what happens and this other time she told me a friend of hers took her to Sumba, a place called Sumbawanga in Tanzania. That's where they believe like they are powerful witch doctors. So they say uh, you buy a, a, a body of a dead person and then they soak it in water or and then you drink the water. And then when you come back and you do business, you get a lot of customers. But I don't think it works because at the end of the day <laughs> we, we never used to get any customers like we would stay the whole day before we never used to to she never used to go so we would get customers but when she used to practice that we lost all our customers <laughs> <laughs> my last wish doctor teen is um, when i was in boarding school in adamawa state in nigeria JSS Madagali and there is these young boys in school they are all excited and they want all the girlfriends they can find in school and one of them his name is Kasim Karim he keep coming to me all the time like he wants me to be his girlfriend and I didn't even really know what the f- what that means I just want to be in the school and have fun and make all the crazy thing I don't want boyfriends and he told me okay if you don't want me in peace I will go to the witch doctor and I will get the medicine and I went and told my friend Salama to I said Kasim said he's going to go take me to the witch doctor Salama to said oh my goodness this boy his brother is the chairman of this town they really have good witch doctors don't ever look at him in the eyes because the witch doctor will give him a medicine that if you look at him in the eyes you will become like a goat if he tells you to sit down you will sit down if he tells you to stand up you will stand up you will be following him and you would really love him like crazy he will do whatever he wants with you and i was like oh i became so afraid i never look at him and we were in the same class with the boy so it was a torture for me because I can't look at him anymore I was afraid he went to the witch doctor and and give the witch doctor my name therefore I will fall in love with him but I'd, after like one to, to four days of trying not to look at him I look at him in the face and nothing happened to me but <laughs> but there are so many people who believe that they went to the witch doctor and uh, he gave them something they sprinkle on the girl or the girl sprinkle on the boy and then immediately the boy just is like 
click like this and you fall in love with that person that's what that was in my boarding school people became really crazy at a certain time that which doctors are giving love passions and people are afraid or they are in love this is just the disaster that happened that year <laughs> and then after we went for holiday and back all the love story is finished <laughs> and something else uh with my stand i would think like um this witchcraft thing is not i don't know it's not real because in south africa i remember meeting sangomas uh these witch doctors and then i did not know that they were witch doctors because they used to dress up like people like a certain tribe in tanzania called the masai's masai tribe so i thought i met masai from in south africa so i went to them and I stopped them and I asked if they were Maasai and they they uh, after I spoke to them they knelt down and they started clapping their hands or saying some stuff that I did not understand and uh people that I was working with they were shocked they were like maybe I was more powerful compared to those <laughs> sangomas or the witch doctors there but at the end of the day I'm like I was I I didn't I don't practice witchcraft and yet those people just knelt down or something so in people's perspective whatever they they would see they would think it's right but it's it's not really helpful yeah okay not the last I guess there was uh, this people in Nigeria they call them tangale they ca- the they have this funny i don't know what they have in their body but whenever they are passing they have about 50 dogs following them i don't know if they were unwanted dogs or people just da- give them the dog but they and also they have a whistle when they stop all the 50 dogs stop when they start moving all the 50 dogs follow them they control the dogs like you turn on and off a tv and so that was in kangarwa we see them a lot and everybody believes that those tangale people they have a magic charm and they come to the town they're passing if you have a dog nobody keeps dog people find dogs to be like dirty and whatever they throw stones at them we don't take care of dogs there at least So you see the street dogs they will catch the street dogs I don't know if they I don't know what they give the people but by at that time when I was in Kangarwa we used to believe that those tangale they have a lot of medicine so they will stop at our restaurant to eat my mom will give them free food and then they will give her medicines in exchange and some of them we will drink some of them we will put in our robin creams and they will give me medicine to write exam and pass even though i did not know how to read <laughs> i always go to school and i keep passing and uh, they give us medicine also to put in our cream hair cream so that our hair will grow long i used to have long hair but i think is because we my mom was taking care of my hair every week she washed it and plaited the african way and whatever but we really believe that those tangale people have magic if they don't have magic how do they control like 50 dogs you know you never know i never figured that out so it's all about what you believe yeah and that's the key thing i mean you guys have cited a lot of cases where the witchcraft did not work and obviously it does quote unquote work for a lot of people because otherwise if it always always consistently failed then we wouldn't have witchcraft in the 21st century what i think a lot of africans and other people you know 
who believe in witchcraft don't understand is the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you are you familiar, Ana Maria, with about the placebo effect? No. Okay, so basically, it's the idea that I give you a pill. A doctor gives you a pill and says this will cure your illness. Now the pill is just a sugar pill. It's nothing. It has actually no medicine in it. But because I'm in a nice, you know, doctor suit and we're in a hospital and I give you this thing and I tell you you're going to be fine, then your body actually manages to heal itself and the sickness goes away. And they, there's even placebo surgeries where they just cut your, you know, your knee, you're having knee problems, they just make an incision, but they actually don't touch your knee and then they sew it back up and then your knee all of a sudden feels better. So the point is, is that these are all uh, sham surgeries and placebos, but it, they take advantage of the person who believes in it. And so that's, I think, why witchcraft seems to work for so many Africans. And that's why it continues today. But I think, uh, I don't know if the tradition, do you think in your generation, how old are you right now? I'm turning 30. So in your generation, you're, you know, you're young and you got a lot of people in their 20s. I'm sure you have friends with even in their early 30s. Would you say that the popularity is going up or down in your generation like people who believe in witchcraft people start believing in witchcraft when they're very young and when they get older they even like it's just too much but is your generation your young generation people in their 20s and 30s are they believing in it today in tanzania yes they are do you think that they believe it more or less than your fathers I think our f like our fathers compared to the this generation right now our fathers would they would practice that but they would use more of uh, like traditional medications and stuff to heal people and but right now it has become dangerous like people would use would use witchcraft to do even bad things to each other so that's the difference so it's going to be here for a while I think yes <laughs> Are you going to teach your your little, you have a uh, baby a girl, yeah. uh, are you going to teach her witchcraft? No, I'm never going to teach her witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be in Cameroon, let's say from Marwa to Garwa, this is where I have been for a long time. I have also stayed in Yaounde for a while. I think it's going to be there for, uh, until I am old at least. Because these people, people of my age who have children, they're already telling, introducing their daughter or their son to witchcraft. So it's not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, it's interesting. So, okay, tell me about how children are raised. Um, because one thing that is really fascinating to me about Africa is that the children, no matter where I go in general, are so much more well-behaved compared to people in the Western world, the children in the Western world are, they talk back to their parents, they argue, they say, no, I'm not going to do that. They're very disobedient. African children in general are much more obedient, much more docile, easygoing. They don't yell and scream nearly as much. Even the babies, I don't know how they do it, but even African babies don't seem to make as much noise as of American babies. So my question is, Is what do you think is the secret? And I don't know if you notice the difference between South Africa and here. Or do you see the same kind of results or do you think the South African children are much more rebellious than the ones here in Tanzania? Um, like children, in, in Tanzania, the way we are raised, we are very disciplined. And it's because like our parents would beat us very much when even in schools, when you misbehave, you get 
a hiding like you would be really beaten and it's in Tanzania it's not only the family that raises your that raises a child like the whole society is responsible in raising uh children like you would see you it you would walk in the streets and you would see a child misbehaving and you would stop and even shout or beat that child or say a right thing that it needs to be done but in other societies like in South Africa I've seen like um I don't know it's because they are they are so much westernized like compared to our societies like children would uh are more free compared to our Tanzanian societies like they would go out they would wear however they want to but with uh the Tanzanian society it's quite different like so i'm curious it's just a western thing that has been kind of infiltrated into the into the south african mindset yes so tell me a little bit more about how these south africans how, how different are they because one thing when i went there i don't know if you felt it but it felt like there was much more racism here than there is here on all levels both the the blacks not liking the whites and the whites not liking the blacks and even tribes against tribes uh, Zulus against the uh, Toza, you know, etc. So that was my impression. Did you feel the same way or did you feel differently? I felt the same way because uh, when I went, like in Tanzania, you go to restaurants and you'd be mixed in all races, like you'd sit with Chinese, white people, you'd greet them and stuff. But in South Africa, it was very different. Like where we used to stay in Rustenburg, we we would go to places and like you would see certain restaurants like are white for whites only others are for uh black people and others are for mixed uh races so i think that thing of racism is still it still exists up until to the end like people would wouldn't greet each other in a po- very polite way and stuff like i think there is still a problem and, and by the way, those restaurants that are segregated, they're self-segregated. There's no law in South Africa that allows a restaurant to turn away anybody, right? Yes. So it's just they've self-selected themselves into this little corner. Yeah, it's very true. And uh, there are some places you'd pass or in communities where you'd only find uh, black societies and you would never find a where in like white people passing or even go to shop there and some places you'd go and you'd only find like the only black people that would be living there is the richest people but those places are only for white people and speaking about rich white people i mean in tanzania and much of south africa and much of africa actually uh, white people often are seems to me as being a white male myself being desired by the women just because well i don't know why so uh, the standard answer that everybody will say is that it's because everybody thinks white men are rich and so therefore that's the main reason is that all there is to it or is there something more behind that like in tanzania it's very true like uh women would think uh white people are rich and they would want to date white people so that they would have a better life and yeah even people who come it's not only people who come from poor families or what it's the whole perspective like when you have 
uh, a, a white guy he he is rich and people would date them so that they would have a better life and yeah and so is it just simply a wealth issue uh, no it's not only a wealth issue but they say like uh, there is people who date white people like white people have true love and stuff and it's not only in for the uh, part of uh, males also females so in other words if uh, you're a black man and you can date a white woman that she will truly love you yeah she would truly love you and they also think it's the same way they also also think that they could have a better life out of a white woman and and what about in south africa where you have about seven eight percent white people did you notice the same kind of desire or because of the racism that just doesn't exist mm, i didn't get a chance to see like white people dating uh black but did you see black women, did you talk to, let's say, black women or black men who are saying, oh, I really want to get a white guy or a white girl? No. In South Africa, it was different compared to here. So why do you think that is? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, it could be, again, the, the issue of racism, but of course, we're just speculating. I mean, give me, so basically you're saying that one of it is economical and one of it is this idea that the white people have a more love I, is it that love doesn't exist in tanzania between blacks it does exist but you have you really have to get a person who goes to church like a very religious person but otherwise if what about a guy who believes in witchcraft <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> but uh so you think that if it's just a religious guy, then he will be uh, loving and faithful? Yes. So what percentage of men do you think are faithful? Mm, 30%. 30%. <laughs> yes, are faithful. 30% of men are faithful. Only 1% of them. 30. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you think 30% are faithful. What about a percentage of women who are faithful? A lot of women are not faithful. What percentage do you think are faithful? You said 30% of men are faithful. Mm -hmm. What about the percentage of women who are faithful? 20% of women are 20% of women are faithful and 30% are you... What? So you think women cheat more? Yes, I think women cheat more compared to men. Interesting. So, I mean, you, I've talked to so many people in Africa and, and you're definitely an exception on that. So go ahead and explain why. <laughs> Now we're very curious because this is a very unusual answer. Because, like, um... You just know a lot of your girlfriends who are all, you know, banging a few guys on the side? Yes, for their... Yeah, and they do it for a pup. Or they would, uh, they would be with someone for a purpose. Not that they truly love that. But most of my friends, my male friends, they would, they would complain of being cheated like and that's the reason why they become the way they are compared to women so you think that women cheat on their men and therefore the men find out and they get pissed off and then they say okay i'm going to show her i'm going to do the same thing so basically you're saying that the women kind of push the men to cheat yes and why are the women cheating women are cheating because of uh women like they want to have a better life. They want nice things. And if the man cannot afford, they would secretly go and sleep with somebody else to get whatever they want and yet come back to the man and pretend as if everything is fine.
You know, this is a fascinating thing because I've come up with a term for it, and it's in my book. It's called post-prostitutes. In other words, a, pre a normal prostitute, you ask money before sex, and a post-prostitute gives you the bill after sex. And so this is something that's so common in, in, in so many African societies that the women, you have sex with them, and then then they expect something. They might say, I want some taxi money to go home. And let's say it costs $5 to cross the entire town. You give them $5. Here you go. There's your taxi money. And they're like, oh, no, that's not enough. I'm like, wait a second. You just asked me for taxi money. <laughs> What's the story? Yeah, it's very true. Like uh, in my society, Tanzanian society, like even the educated women would do that. Like they would tell you like, even if you're dating a person who doesn't have money, they would ask you, like, uh, where does your man work? What does he do? Does he give you money or stuff? Like, you need to have a second a second uh, rebound, you know, mm -hmm. or a even backup. a backup plan. So even uh, some family or relatives would tell you, like, there is this thing in the marriage process. It's called... Um, uh, a kitchen party or sometimes you'd sit with your aunties and stuff and they would prepare you for marriage so they tell you you don't break up with your man if he's if he's if he's not well off uh you don't break up if he's not if he's not well off yeah you don't break up with him why not if he doesn't have money you need to find a substitute. Uh, yeah. A backup first. Yes. And then you break up. <laughs> no, you don't break up. Never. Never. Or you just have to have your backup and then just cheat on him on the side and then the backup gives you money. Yeah. It's so your sugar daddy. Yes. So okay. they tell you, but you need to do it secretly. They tell you you need to have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. You also, People have backup plans and they, they even use the money to help their husbands. So yeah. that's what, what happens to our communities. So they tell you this the day that you're preparing to go get married like tomorrow you're getting married and these aunties and friends get into a room only women uh not uh when you you when you like, like tomorrow you're getting married no but in the process of getting married like you would sit with some women and they would tell you well this is funny they advise you to have a backup plan and never separate with your husband no matter what happened in my place marwa it is very different when you're getting married. You, the older woman, your mom, grandma, they all come in the evening to the house and they sit you down. And they advise you that you have to respect your husband. You should love him. You should give him food. Never fight. You know, raise your voice on him. Always have sex whenever he wants it. And you can never, in fact, even looking at other men, even thinking about sex with other men, it's sinful. You shouldn't do it. It doesn't matter what you have money or you don't have money. Stick with your husband. Sexing other men while you're married it is something they completely tell you never to do it. Yeah, it's the same here, but they would tell you how to make your ways secretly. 
But that's very different. I mean, she just Rejoice just said that there it's prohibited. Yeah, for us, they don't tell you you can do it secretly. They tell you ho ha in front of you that you can't have, you can't even look at other men, forget that the wall exists. What is important for you is your husband. If you have a baby, it's your baby. So your husband is the God of the family. After God who created you is your husband. It's different here because people would tell you secretly to follow other ways, but you keep your husband. And what and you're saying that 70% of women kind of go into that. Yeah. So this is all very fascinating because, uh, you know, the whole point of the Unseen Africa is to uncover how Africans are different, how they're similar. And already we're seeing here that in northern Cameroon, they might have one belief system of how a woman should be. And in Tanzania, at least... What uh, Dodoma area would you say? The Doma area, mm. um, rather than Dar Salaam. Dar Salaam so big and diverse. You probably get every opinion under mm. the sun. But basically, here in Dodoma, there's a, or sorry, in Tanzania, there's a sectors of society, and in your opinion, seventy percent of it, where the women are actually quite encouraged to go for w- at least one backup, maybe more. <laughs> yeah, they even have a word for that, like. They would secretly tell you to have, they call it mafiga matatu. So like you have, you know, how they would cook, um, they would cook, they would prepare the food locally and they would have like three stones and supporting the pot. So the pot would be your husband and you'd have secretly other people supporting him. You need three guys. (laughs) Not three, (laughs) but they need to support your husband. Like Mm. secretly you go, like if he's not financially stable. You go, you have this guy supporting you financially. So, But I mean, I'm wondering if a man, let's say, especially if you have two of them, you know, if you have two guys supporting you in, in addition to your husband and you're making some pretty good income there. I mean, at some point, doesn't the husband who's poor and destitute, doesn't he realize that, hey, where'd you get this nice phone? And uh, wow, you got a nice car now all of a sudden. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, it's very true. They notice that's why peop- most people they break up so it doesn't it's not a good long-term strategy yeah so they say you need to do it very you need to be very secretive and like p- your husband should never ever notice so you have to get some money but not enough you get but you can hide your money but i uh, I, I just wanted to ask a question but are there men who notice that their wives are cheating on them but since you're bringing the money to them and supporting them and they're okay with it they just keep quiet and pretend ignorance yes it's it happens a lot here in tanzania like men would notice that uh maybe their wife has but this is mostly for people who are not yet married so they would even notice like their wife goes and she she brings money and yet he would be quiet because he most like for most men who don't want to work and they would want to have an easy life and this happens uh you you might find like um a very young uh guy dating a very old woman or an older woman compared to him she she has other means of getting income and she would tell that young boy and this happens because uh it's only they're in a relationship only because of um sexual satisfaction so this woman gets satisfied with this young boy and he becomes his 
quiet he doesn't say he he doesn't have a say so this woman would go find money and provide for this boy and do you ever see that where the older man has many many women as well that he's supporting yes it it's it's very common in tanzania like what about polygamy uh in other words on one man who has mm. three wives four wives uh it happens with the uh muslim societies like having many wives but christians it happens but most of these men old men would cheat on their wives also because of sexual satisfaction and most young women in Tanzania like very young girls they would date even their fathers for money what do you mean they're going to date their f- you mean their father's friends no i mean like people who were very old and maybe the girl is 16 and she's dating a guy who is 50 years old right. or when you said they're dating their fathers i was like whoa <laughs> 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 um interesting and so do you think that with in south africa going back to that as an example do you think that the fidelity of men and women is it about the same issue or or do you think the women there are more faithful the men are less do you see it different or is it hard to say uh for the time i I've, i've spent my time there i think men there cheat a lot compared to their women like men uh especially those who work in industrial areas i don't know why but they cheat a lot compared to women mm-hmm. women would be could be uh faithful there so again a kind of a difference between countries yeah i think in cameroon especially in marwa garwa i would say again because there the women just have the women are we have one goal you grow up you finish you just learn how to read you don't even need to finish high school most of them and marriage once you get married your husband is the only thing that will keep you going therefore the women i can say 99% of them are faithful of course still there's some who will always still go out even though they're married and sleep with some other men but the women are really faithful but i don't know around yaounde and duala because there the girls are all westernized they wear short skirt and leave half of their bodies outside so that i d- i cannot tell but where i came from the women are faithful but the men even though there are very few women to 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 cheat you know the women don't cheat the men in marwa they have girlfriends i think 100% of them maybe okay i would just say 99% of the men also they cheat they have four women at home legally married but then they have another girlfriend not one maybe two even or three in different areas they have girlfriends very different than tanzania i guess and do you see any of this changing at all or kind of like the same situation is is perpetuating itself in the future i think these things will still go on for a while because um with the new technologies and stuff people trying to think like it's a it's a normal thing but it's not really a normal thing what do you think about the future of south africa versus the future of tanzania do you think which country is going to do better in the future where would you rather be is it too hard to say or would if you could if you could live in south africa would you prefer to live there or if you could easily live in obviously can or would you rather stay in tanzania 
No, I'd rather stay in Tanzania. Why is that? Most of the things that are there nowadays they're also here, so I would stay here. Okay. So even though the official standard living and all that stuff in South Africa, is it just purely friends and family that attracts you here or is there something else that attracts you about Tanzania? About Tanzania, uh, family most. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if it, it changes. And what about the Swahili language? I mean, it's such a, you know, it's Tanzania compared to South Africa, for example. Uh, there, there's far more English speakers in South Africa, for sure, isn't there? Yeah, people speak English, but they are mostly proud to speak their language. Like, uh, they speak, maybe they would speak Tswana, Kosa, I don't know, whatever mm-hmm. languages, but they don't. They know how to speak English, but they are mostly proud to speak their language compared to English. What about Tanzania? I mean, Tanzanians are very proud of Swahili. Tanzania is proud of Swahili, but when you speak English, people think of you in another way. Maybe you're educated or you have money and stuff. But yeah, people are proud, but yet they would speak English compared to their native languages. Right, so... And in Tanzania, the government is doing much effort to kind of promote because one one challenge is that t- Swahili is mainly an East African language. It has a kind of a, a limited base compared to English, which is a global language. Do you see that changing? Mm, they're trying to implement uh, so many things to be uh, like schools to be in schools. They should be taught in Kiswahili and writing books in Kiswahili. But most of the places like schools that I went to, we were taught in English. So it's still, uh, it would take time for them to implement. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's uh, very funny because I was thinking she would say the government is trying to tell the schools to teach English, but instead he's telling everybody to teach Kiswahili because right now most Tanzanians, they don't, speak English even if they're proud of Swahili or not they have to speak Swahili because it is the only other choice they have they have nothing else to speak they can't speak English they can't speak French they can't speak Arabic and now that the government is trying to say hey everybody speaks Swahili in in school then it's going to be a disaster I think I mean the 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 investment of the government I mean don't you think is is it seems to be a very nationalistic government the one that's in power in 2018 and until 2020 do you think that's true have you noticed that or I haven't really noticed it or you're just afraid to answer because you're going to be thrown in prison <laughs> no I'm not but uh, uh, they're trying to make um, uh, ways and change policies to make the economy grow but I think those policies are not working because most of the people and investors are running away. And people, they're saying it's very difficult to invest here right now. So I don't really know well because I'm not so good in economics and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. And so it's hard for you to say whether the president is popular or not? He is in his own ways. Okay, so Ana Maria, tell me a little bit about why Tanzania is remaining poor. What is your analysis of it and why? Uh, what what could has to be done to change that? Um, I think there is, um, on my in my opinion, I think we need to do something about the education uh, system in Tanzania. Like uh, 
the education system prepares people to to be employed and not really be self-employed like most most of the people after finishing school they would expect to get a better job from the government or something so most people would we have really many educated people but they are not prepared for self-employment they are really focusing on getting jobs in the people finish uh finish school and they would think about getting a better job in the bank or somewhere else but they don't know they do not think of other ways or other means of making money apart from from being employed that's the really main uh problem with our education system so you're basically saying it's just the educational system that needs to be fixed and then all of a sudden the money will roll in it will so you're saying that the government needs to kind of train people to become better entrepreneurs Yes, it does need to do that. At the same time, you know, it's kind of interesting because I see in some ways Africans being the most entrepreneurial society out there, not because really they want to, but because they have no other choice. In other words, if you look at a lot of the women, they go out there and sell things on their head. You know, they're bouncing fruits and vegetables on their head to sell and the little children are doing everything. So there's a lot of little entrepreneurship, but just because they need to get that one dollar a day to to make a a living but not because they're trying to build some big business but it is true it seems to me that somebody who is educated their number one goal it's so funny when i talk to so many africans is that they want to work for the government yeah even in our society like when you're educated you finish up school and stuff uh, like people wouldn't think about that education that you're given should help you in your uh day to day activities or or maybe i studied law so people would really expect me to work in the uh jury ju- judiciary so if you saying like um i only started to get knowledge so that even it should help me out in my business maybe in making contracts and stuff like that people would look at you and they would think like you just wasted your time studied studying law or something they would never think of you like you got education so that it could help you in your future but they would think of of the education you got it should help you to work and help others in your future so so that's the main difference so people don't really expect people to get educated and get self employed they want you to work somewhere all right well any last thoughts on South Africa? I'm always intrigued by your an outsider's perspective, an African outsider's perspective about South Africa. Did you enjoy your your time there, and you wish you can go back? Yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. I got to see new things that, um, like the the country is so developed, clean. It's too many stuffs that um, I would really wish to go back and see. Do you think that Tanzania can catch up to South Africa? Yeah, we're trying. Uh, nowadays, we have the flyovers getting built, so I think we'll get there soon. Next week? No, <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> okay, well, we'll tune in 10 years. We'll interview you then, Ana Maria. Anyway, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. It was nice. And that wraps up this week's episode of the WanderLearn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. 
I'm just going to ask you for one simple favor before you go, one small favor, and that is to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, review it, and send me lots of money. How about that as one simple favor? Seriously, guys, if you'd like to know a little bit more about what we talked about on the show, like the show notes, links to things that we talked about, go to wanderlearn.com. If you would like to comment on the show, go to wanderlearn.com and make your comments known there. Tell me what you thought, what you liked, what you didn't like anything that you thought about the show. Second of all, if you'd like to support the show, one way to do that, you can go to wanderlearn.com slash shop, buy something at the shop. I would love it. Also, if you'd like to sponsor a show, you can send me an email at ft at francistapon.com. That's ft at francistapon.com. This show was edited by Rejoice Tapon. The music was done by David Hamilton. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.